Hey guys, welcome back to another episode here on Special One Cards. My name is Paulo, and I'm here to uh, really talk some more about the World Cup. I want to thank you guys for kind of hanging on with me. I didn't want to post a new podcast the last uh, two weeks with the World Cup kind of starting. Uh, I thought it was kind of be a little premature to kind of have some episodes on uh, discussing individual matches. So I kind of wanted to wait until the um, quarterfinals were set. So we are all set for the quarterfinals. Really exciting, uh, exciting time for me. Obviously, I sound happy uh, for the reason that Portugal did win. So that was exciting for me. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the matchups that are coming up in the quarterfinals. Kind of do a recap of some of the earlier, uh, some of the early exits, uh, we could call them uh, surprising, maybe early exits. Um, and then also talk a little bit about this Gonzalo Ramos hype. The hype is is real. Um, looking at listings today after the game uh, and, and the moves that are made. So we'll talk a little bit about that and why it's important, that piece. So I want to kind of give you guys some insight on that piece as it relates as a whole to the whole hobby. So um, quick few things. If you're not following me yet on uh, Instagram, follow me there at Special One Cards. Same as the name here. You'll see it on your podcast up top special and then O-N-E cards. Follow me there. Um, we do have a break coming up for a three-box break of Prism uh, World Cup. So we do have some spots left. We're doing 16 uh, spots. So we'll have 16 teams as a top tier, and then we'll have a bottom section, which will be the bottom 16 teams. So you'll get two teams in the break, one from the top and one from the bottom tier. So it should be pretty fun. Three box break. Hoping to break that by next Thursday, uh, hopefully. Um, maybe earlier if we can fill a little quicker. Right now, I think we have three people in it. So there's 13 spots. So please join in if you can. Uh, hit me, shoot me a DM. And I'm happy to kind of help you guys uh, walk through the process. If you've never been in a break, um, they are fun. Price is pretty competitive too. I'm not going to lie. I think we uh, priced it out pretty competitive. So that I think it's 130 or 135 um, per spot, but if you do uh, mention that you heard this on the podcast, I'm going to throw a $15 coupon at you, so $15 off to be in the break, um, so the break does include your shipping, it includes your top tier spot and a bottom tier spot, so 16 spots, 135 regular price, mention that you heard it on the podcast, and I'll throw $15 off for you, all right, so... Um, so we've got uh, a few matchups coming up uh, for the quarterfinals. You've got Croatia, Brazil, Argentina, and uh, the Netherlands on Friday. You've got Saturday. You've got the other uh, two games, Morocco, Portugal, and then England, France. So exciting matchups here. Um, some people may say that Portugal's got the easy path. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that. Morocco's been really tough. But I also want to talk a little bit about um, some of the early exits, I guess you could call some of the surprises. I didn't do very well in my challenge, uh, and I still haven't looked at the brackets to see who's in first place, but next week we'll review that because uh, we'll be at that stage where we can review who's going to win. I'm, I'm going to give a slab away, too, for that, too, for you guys participating, for whomever participated in it. But, you know, some of the early exits that I was kind of surprised by, not completely surprised because I didn't have Belgium advancing very far. I think I don't, I don't think I had them come out of the group as it was. So Belgium wasn't surprised to me. I think they have a squad that's aging a little bit. Their golden generation is kind of done. I was really shocked that Roberto Martinez 
didn't uh, include some of the younger talent they have on their squad, you know, such as um, CDK, uh, who else they have over there. And I think part of it, I think what hurt them was not having um, Romelu Lukaku for the whole World Cup. Uh, I think that was uh, kind of a, a loss for them, obviously. Um, and I just kind of look at their lineup. You look at some of the young kids that they have, you know, CDK, for example, um, Jeremy Doku. I mean, these guys didn't play a lot. They didn't play a lot of minutes. I mean, I think CDK played 15 minutes in the World Cup and then Doku played 18 minutes. So, I mean, I don't know what's going on there. Um, I'm just really confused. And I've never been a Roberto Martinez fan. I think he should have been fired a long time ago. I don't think, I think he's just extreme. I don't know how he got that job, to be honest. But um, Belgium was kind of, for me, not surprising because I didn't have them coming out of the group as it was, I thought uh, I thought we'd see Canada and Croatia come out of that group. Instead, we saw Morocco and Croatia come out. Canada was a little bit let down for me. I think they deserved better. I think that first loss, the game they lost to Belgium, I think that hurt them uh, mentally because I think they dominated that game, but they didn't get the result that they needed. Huh? And that's part of, you know, the experience factor when you have a team, when you're playing a team like Belgium and you can't take advantage of an early penalty like that to score, it presents a problem. So um, that's uh, Denmark's the other one that really surprised me. They finished last in their group. Uh, man, what a train wreck that was. I don't understand what happened there. Uh, maybe they were just tired. I, I, I can't explain it. I wish I could. Um, Argentina, you know, uh, they won their group pretty easily. Uh, they looked good. First game they lost to, a, you know, Saudi Arabia played a good game. That was their Super Bowl. They beat they beat Argentina. Uh, and if you had bet on Saudi Arabia, that game was a plus 2,700 2, game. So if you bet 100, you would have won $2,700 on that game, which is wild. France, no surprise, um, winning uh, Group D, right? Um I think we all expected that with them. Uh, the question now going forward, and I'll talk a little bit more about this in the kind of the preview of the quarterfinals are what their weaknesses could potentially be. Um, I'm kind of jumping all over the place here, but I think it's kind of fun that way. Uh, Netherlands won Group A. They look pretty good um, in that group. Uh, you know, they won two games. They tied one game. They played well. Senegal played well in that group. They were impressive to me, uh, even though they got hammered by England in the um, knockout stage. England looked good. I still have questions about England. Um, you know, were they in the easiest group? I don't think so. Were they in the toughest group? I don't think so either. So um, United States, uh, I have to say I'm happy with the results for the United States. I think they played a good tournament. Um, given that many of us, including myself, didn't expect them to come out of the group. I had Iran coming out of the group with England, um, so I'm happy for the United States to exceed expectations. They did a great job. Now the question is how do they find a real number nine to play in that system, or if even Greg's going to be around. I think, you know, unfortunately for Greg, I think, you know, and a lot of people may disagree with me here, but I think you need to go find a, a, an experienced coach that can develop the team further, take them to the next level. And I don't know who, who that would be um, potentially, but you have some decent coaches out there. Um, could be a Fabio Capello who comes in to the United States and tries to kind of overhaul uh, the system or get them to play a certain way or whatever the case may be. I know we have a talented squad. We have some talented young players. You know, the Jose Mourinho name has popped up. You'd have to pay him a boatload of money. I don't think he's ready to coach a national team either. I think he's kind of bored. Uh, he'd be bored doing that. He's stated that many times. He's too young to be 
coaching national teams, but um, I really think the next step for the United States is to hire a coach, uh, a European coach possibly, or South American coach, whatever, that can help players develop further. Uh, for the U.S., it's going to be develop a number nine. I think we have a strong midfield coming up for 2026. It's going to be exciting to see what happens there. Um, group E, which was a crazy group. You know, you had Japan, Spain, Germany, and Costa Rica. They were, at one point, it was Japan and Costa Rica advancing, and it was kind of – that was for about two minutes' time, I think, during that during those games. But um, Japan, impressive World Cup, um, unfortunately – that came to an end, I think, yesterday uh, when they did lose. Um, tough game for them against Croatia. I thought they had a legitimate chance to win that game. But, you know, it is what it is. Sometimes the better teams come out. Germany, what a disappointment they are. Um, you know, they have a bright future ahead of themselves, I think, you know, with the players that they have bringing up in their loaded with talent, right? So I think they'll, they'll be fine. I think Germany's going to be fine eventually. I was just shocked that, you know, you know they brought Makoku on for a minute. Uh, I mean, probably one of the most talented players that they have. Yes, he's young, but uh, could he be a, could he have been a spark for them? Possibly. I don't know. Um, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just wondering why some of these teams didn't try to give some of these guys more experience in terms of playtime at the World Cup. I think that helps their development. Jamal Musiala played very well, um, three games, uh, didn't get on the score sheet or the assist sheet, um, excuse me, he had one assist, um, but was really impressive, showed he belonged. Spain lost today to Morocco on penalty kicks. Uh, it seems like penalty kick practice needs to take uh, effect at, uh, for Spain and Japan, right, because they both got on the PKs, but... Um, yeah, Spain, I mean, for all the hype they had talked about uh, with Spain, Pedri and Gavi, I, I don't know. Today, I think uh, Pedri played a decent game today. Um, I think Gavi was kind of, he had a good first game and that was really it. I didn't really see much after that from him. Uh, you know, overall, Spain was disappointing. I think, uh, and in some cases, listening to Luis Enrique today talk after the loss in his press conference, he kept talking about he how we were controlling the game and um, we were moving forward and this and that. Listen, I'm going to be frank. You can control the game all you want. It doesn't matter if you have possession or not. Possession is one of the most overrated statistics in football today. Um, you look back and you think about some of the teams, and I'm not going to – I don't want to reference Jose Mourinho again, but when he destroyed that Barcelona team that season when Real Madrid won the um, – the league, La Liga, he was playing counterattacking football. He didn't care about possession. He was playing to the strengths of the team, which were, which were the counterattacking football. Maybe Luis Renique at the end of the day needs to realize that possibly this Barcelona team, this, excuse me, the Spain team wasn't ready for that style of football or isn't ready for it. And I know they want to push. That's the way they play. But, um, you know, the other problem with them was their number nines, right? Uh, you, you rely on Alvaro Morata, who's not really – a big club player. Uh, I mean, he's had some pretty notable goals uh, at the club level, but nothing that makes me say, oh, he's a superstar. Uh, very good player. I'm not going to uh, diss him, but, you know, Moradia, Ferran Torres, right? I mean, very lackluster. Um, you know, for me, it was surprising. Today in the game against Morocco, I felt like when they brought on uh, Nico Williams, I thought he changed the game for them for the better. Um, and I really think 
if they had used him more, uh, and I'm not saying you have to start him or, you know, vice versa, but I think if you changed your style accordingly and made the adjustments at, at, at a point in time, that maybe win that game, maybe maybe Jeremy Pino coming on would have influenced the game a little more too. I, I, I don't know. I don't have the answers, but um, they're out, you know, a team that's loaded with talent, you know, up front, Nico, Williams, Ferran Torres, Morata, Fati Asensio, you know, it's a pretty talented group of, of players. Um, do I think any of them are spectacular? No. Do I think that some could be potentially? Yes. Nico Williams to me could potentially be spectacular, but when you bring him on, it's too late to switch the game at that point. So uh, Spain's got some kind of, uh, they have to look in the mirror and see what went wrong with them. Uh, but, you know, We'll see. Croatia surprises me again. Uh, I didn't think they would come out of that group. Again, they came out of the group with Morocco. Morocco's been very strong. I've always known they've been a strong team. My father over the weekend told me Morocco's going to be tough. Uh, and this was before we even knew um, that they were playing Spain uh, and that now potentially playing Portugal, right? So uh, my father explained to me that in the, in the 80s, they were a very strong team. They have really good players, um, you know, given Portugal's kind of a neighbor across the ocean there, um, we can see that there's a lot of good players in Morocco. So they're, they're an exceptional team. Uh, and, and I'm going to, I haven't watched a whole lot of them. I watched them at the world cup and that was it. Uh, but my father made it clear that they are no slouch to, to not pay attention to. Um, they're a good team. Uh, he reckons back to the eighties uh, when they were a very good side. So um, group G Brazil uh, advances. Obviously I was this group. I was really disappointed with Serbia's performance. Serbia was one of everybody's dark horses and they ended up finishing last in the group. Um, so, you know, it's too bad. Uh, I don't think Dusan started every game for them. I think he started the last game uh, and I could be wrong. I tried to watch most of their games, but I did see a few games that he didn't start, but tough time for them. Cameroon had that huge win against Brazil in the last the last day there of the group games, uh, so good for them. Um, Brazil ended up winning the group, and then Switzerland advanced as well. Brazil Switzerland had a pretty good matchup. Uh, Brazil won uh, that game 1-0, if I remember correctly. I think it was 1-0. Um, and they didn't have a tough time in that game. They just had a tough time finding the back of the net. Uh, so Brazil was making it look easy. Um but it wasn't as easy as it, as it was. Switzerland's a pretty good defensive team. And then, I mean, today we saw Portugal kind of blow them up, but that's a whole different uh, story and a whole different thing to talk about shortly. And then finally, Group, group H, Portugal um, wins the group. They lose their last game against uh, South Korea. My dad told me that Portugal purposely lost that game to let South Korea through. Because Paulo Bento, who's also Portuguese, uh, coach coaches South Korea, he was actually a he was a national team head coach too for a while for Portugal. So um, he claims that that was a, that was a job that was done to to help them out, but I don't believe that. That's kind of ridiculous to me. So it is what it is. Portugal, obviously, uh, the three games um, they got six points out of three games. They started two and zero, played pretty well. Uh, they the team I think is better had a metamorphosis uh, since today, and we'll talk a little bit more about that when I'm talking about Portugal played various styles in the various games they played in the first round, I thought, and I thought they did well to adapt to the teams they were playing. Uh, there were some holes and concerns that I did have at the beginning. You know, for a while, I was kind of like, you know, 
Antonio Soto should be starting. He should be starting. Uh, you know, Danilo had made that mistake, the two mistakes in the first game there against Ghana. They were tough. But I think overall, Santos has done a good job. Um, my only concern uh, going forward is, uh, or has always been, is how do I get Leon to start this team? It's hard, right? So, I mean, he knows what he's doing. So, obviously, today we saw some changes he made, and they've advanced. So, I'm happy they've advanced. Uh, I'm obviously going to be biased here. Hoping to see them win. So we'll see what happens. South Korea hats off them. Great World Cup. Um, getting to uh, the knockout stages. Uruguay. Uh, it's unfortunate they didn't get past in the group. Uh, but I think in 2026, they're going to be probably, I'm going to venture to say they're probably a top four favorite for 2026. The amount of talent they have on that team that is coming up. Young talent that's growing. Um, you know, the Valverdes will be a leader at that point, right? Uh, you know, Darwin Nunez. Uh you have a Satriano, um, an interplayer over in Italy maturing, who will be, I think he'll be on that team at that point. You got quite a palestri, you got quite a few talented players on Uruguay. So Uruguay will be back, you Uruguay fans that are out there. Shout out to Deep Bernice, he's a big Uruguay guy. Don't worry, man, you guys are going to be fine. I think in a, um, 26, we'll be talking about them a lot more. So, um, and then finally, Ghana, uh, kind of fun, fun team to watch. Um, one of the youngest teams at the world. I think they might have been the actually the youngest team at the World Cup. Um, and some of the players there, they did a great job. They played really well. Uh, I have to acknowledge why they were excellent um, at this World Cup. Uh, you know, they finished fourth, but they still were competitive uh, with everybody along the way. So, so it's exciting to really. Um, Think about what's coming up now with the quarterfinals, with the quarterfinals looming um, in the next few days. All right, so with the quarterfinals looming here, um, your first game's happening on Friday, um, 10 a.m. Eastern. We have Croatia and Brazil, and then at 2 in the afternoon Eastern time, you have the Netherlands and Argentina. Two pretty good matchups. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Croatia-Brazil. Croatia Brazil should be a pretty good uh, a pretty good game. Um, I think Croatia is going to try to sit back and try to take this. You know they'll try to they'll try to counter somehow, but I think Brazil's got the speed to keep up with those counters. I don't think it's going to be that easy to really counter on a Brazilian team like this because um, it potentially could lead to you know Brazil coming back and just obliterating Croatia. So we'll see what happens. But Brazil's kind of firing all cylinders. We saw them in their last game um, against um, South Korea, 4-1. to one. Uh, Vinny uh, scored his uh, first goal of the World Cup, I believe. Neymar had a PK. Richarlison had a uh, nice little goal. Uh, Paqueta uh, got on the scoreboard as well. Um, so, you know... A while ago, I had said that Brazil wasn't getting out, wasn't getting out of the quarterfinals, um, and now I have to kind of disagree with my perspective. I think they've really proven to me all the things that I was looking for, and all the things that I thought were wrong with Brazil are not wrong. Uh, I think they'll do very well um, against Croatia, and I think they ultimately advance. Uh, whether they put on a performance like they did. Um, Against South Korea, I don't know if that's going to be the case there. I think Croatia is kind of a battle-tested team. 
uh, again, they're an older, they're aging, uh, whether they want to try to insert some youth into the lineup and take a chance against Brazil, that's going to be ultimately up to the coach. But Brazil shouldn't have a problem this game. I'm going to make a prediction on this game that it's going to be a, a 2-0 Brazil, pretty comfortable victory in that game. The next game is an interesting game, Netherlands and Argentina. You've got Lionel Messi versus Louis van Gaal of uh, the Netherlands, the coach who is a... Uh, I consider him one of the tactical geniuses of the last, uh, let's say, 30 years in terms of coaching in the game. A phenomenal coach really knows how to find and exploit weaknesses. We saw him do that to the U.S. We saw him out-coach Greg Burkhalter completely, um, embarrassing him. Now, whether he does that against Argentina, I'm not sure. Um, Argentina is playing really well, um, and I think when they made the adjustment to take Paltudo Martinez and put him on the bench. I think that changed the way Argentina kind of kind of played and putting Julian Alvarez in the game and also getting um, Enzo in the game, right? I think Enzo is a big piece of the puzzle for them. Um, and, you know, uh, when you talk about the maturity he has, Enzo Fernandez, he's 21. Uh, he's a midfielder. I think... Benfica got him. They purchased him for $10 million with $8 million in add-ons. Uh, and I can't remember what the add-ons, the $8 million add-ons were for, but even if they do have to pay the full $18 million, you're looking at a player now that Real Madrid supposedly is rumored to uh, wanting to pay up to $90 million for already. Kid's been phenomenal at Benfica this year, too. And I, I actually had believed in him uh, from Benfica. I thought, you know, I think Argentina's got to call this kid up. He's been phenomenal, really good player, uh, scored that fantastic goal against um, Mexico, but he's had such a good influence on that team that, um, you know, for Argentina, I think that's very important to have kind of some new new blood coming in to, to help them. The other guy I think that's going to be really important for Argentina, because I think we always forget about him, is I think Angel Di Maria. If you notice, and he, he was, I don't think he played the last game, but if you notice with, with um, Argentina, when they play really well, it's when Di Maria plays really well. Uh, and it was, for me, it was a little shocking the last game that he, he would, didn't get to play because obviously he was injured, or whatever the case may be. But I think he's kind of that wild card for them. If he plays well, they play well automatically. So we'll see what they do. The Netherlands... Um, what can we say about Cody Gapko? Everyone's going crazy for him, both as a player and in the hobby. There's a rumor that United has purchased him already. Um, I'm not sure if they have. Uh, Gapko, he's he's in the prism uh, set this year. He's a little older, 23. I mean, for me, 23 is not old, but I think the hobby looks at players of his age and say, oh, he's too old. He's not old, but he's, you know, you get what I'm saying. Frank de Young's been really good in their midfield. Um, I mean, Humph uh, Dumfries has been Denzel Dumfries has been a, a phenomenal player for this team uh, in this in this World Cup. A little older, he's twenty six. Um, I think they put the rookie card badge on his prism stuff too, as well and mosaic. So, if you're interested in a guy like that, sorry, I'm yawning. It's a little late. I'm trying to get this out for you guys uh, tonight. Um, he's a little older, but uh, you know. Um, He's had a great tournament, um, and the Dutch should be really proud of, of what's going on with them uh, as they move forward in this tournament. So they're really exciting to watch uh, right now. I, I think he, 
Louis Van Gaal just got them playing at a, a really high level. Um, ultimately, I think Argentina wins this game. I think this is going to be a really close game. I could see this either being like a 2-1 game or a one nothing game to Argentina. I think uh, the Netherlands is probably going to sit back and try to absorb um, and try to counterattack like they, did, like they did against the United States. So we'll see what happens uh, if they have the ability to, to do the same thing there. But again, the Netherlands... Um, they're not old, old, but I feel like they have a, quite a few players a little older on the older side. Um, so that may hurt, that may hurt them. I don't think it's going to, but, um, you know, I think Argentina wins this game one, nothing. We'll see what happens there. All right, next, probably the biggest game of this round. It's probably, uh, the England France game. No doubt about it. We've got, uh, England who, you know, finished first in that group. France finished first in that group. Um, you've got, uh, Mbappe versus, Everybody, listen, I'm, I'm going to say this again. I'm going to continue to say it. Mbappe is the best player in the world right now. There's no question. No question about it. Uh, like the, what he does in the games, um, you know, we're talking like, you know, Messi, Ronaldo, 08, 09, like the impacts on the games where these teams couldn't lose with these guys uh, based on what they were doing and the influence they had on these games. That's what he's doing right now at a at, at a top level at, at the best tournament in the world. And he's an incredible player, incredible player. Um, the only concern I have with France is their their depth, right? I think France potentially might have a uh, are players going to get tired? Um, are they going to get tired? They don't have the depth that other teams have uh, at that point. Uh, but again, you're kind of down on the nitty gritty now. You're down to what you got to win one, two. You got to win three games to become world champion. So they could go back to back that way. Um, but I guess with France, I mean, I would, I would consider them the favorites if they if they had the full squad like they were supposed to. I would consider them the favorites of the tournament. I don't think I have Brazil as the favorite here, but uh, right now Brazil is the favorite according to the odds makers. Um, Mbappe's been. Phenomenal. He's, he's passed uh, Messi and Ronaldo, I believe, for World Cup goals already. So, you know, the kid's 23. It's just uh, ridiculous what he's doing. So, you know, shout out to Kylian Mbappe. You know, you, you can hook me up if you want, bro. Send me a check or whatever, whatever you want to do. I'm praising you. Um, I think he's a good guy. I think the media, we're getting into a point now where, and I hate to bring his name up, Erling Holland. We're getting to a point where the media is uh, trying to trying to pit players against the players like they did with Ronaldo and Messi, where Ronaldo was always kind of the villain and Messi was the hero. I think at this point we're seeing that the media wants to find the, the next two, and the next two are Holland and Mbappe, and Mbappe is the villain and Holland is the uh, hero. So I'm, a, I'm team Mbappe right now. I think I'm going to be for a while. Um, no question about it. Best player in the world right now uh, has impact on the game. And um, that's what I think. England. All right. So while I think people have been really impressed with England, you know, they beat Iran 6-2. Then they tied the U.S. Then they beat Wales 3-0. I I don't think I'm as impressed as a lot of you are or as a lot of folks have said that they are about about England. Um, One of my concerns with England is their defense, right? I think Harry Maguire has actually played pretty well for them, uh, minus a few moments of close calls in this World Cup. But he's played a lot better there. Uh, you would think he's not the same player 
or the same person that plays at Manchester United. If you look at a box score, never seen him or heard of him, you'd say this isn't the same player. So um, he's been pretty decent. Marcus Rashford's been well, been, been very, very good as well. Um, one of the surprises for me is uh, I'm not sure how you can't start him at this point. I think Rashford's in form. think you have to start him. Uh, and I'm not sure who becomes kind of the the guy that gets taken out in that situation because um, there are various players of similar kind of capabilities in those spots. But I think he's got to he, – I mean, you, you have to start him. You have to start him. Um, I think to even have a chance in this game, I think you have to. And I'm not trying to downplay England's chances here, but I think you have to. But I think England's best player, um, and if they lost one guy – that would cost him a chance. I think it's Jude Bellingham. Jude Bellingham is showing why he's a generational talent this World Cup. And we can stop this Pedri versus Jude argument that I kind of got into the debate of debate of a few months ago when I posted those comparisons. I've always thought Jude was a generational talent. I'm not saying that Pedri is not. I just think Jude has more influence on the games. And he's proving it at England right now. Uh, influence, and, influence the game in so many ways for that midfield position. Just doing things that are unbelievable. And for his age, it's incredible. So um, Jude Bellingham is the key to England. If he's on, England wins. If he's not on, England can lose. But I think in this game, I think you have a France team that has kind of a superhero, uh, supernatural guy from just uh, from wherever he may be, Mbappe, um, that can take control of this game. I see this game as a 3-2 to two game. France takes it down, returns to the semifinals, beats England. It's not coming home, England. I'm sorry. I think Mbappe is going to break your hearts uh, until he ends up in the Premier League next year, hopefully. Um, so watch for that. I think France wins that game three times. I think it's going to be an entertaining, high-scoring affair there. Uh, I think we're going to see a, a very good game. And then the last one, of course, we've got Morocco, Portugal. Um not sure where to start with this. Uh, primarily, I'm going to talk about Portugal. I respect Morocco. I respect what they've done at this World Cup. Not going to be an easy test for Portugal. Um, I was really concerned for Portugal playing in Switzerland today. Uh, one of the things I was concerned about was Brazil only scored one against Switzerland. Like, is Portugal even going to be able to score against Switzerland? No, they went out and scored six. Coach Fernando Santos got to give him credit. He took uh, a chance today. Um told Ronaldo, you're starting on the bench today, and we're going to start Gonzalo Ramos up top. I was really happy to see that. For all you Andre Silva fans, I told you. I just want to say I told you again. I told you. Not that I hate this Andre Silva. He hates a strong word, but I just dislike the player. I don't think he fits into the style they play, um, and I don't think he's, he's that good of a player, honestly. I think he's a decent player in the Bundesliga. Um, you know, I know some of you have, have some Andre Silva stuff you guys bought, but I warned many of you guys not to buy his stuff um, many times. But it is what it is. Anyways, Gonzalo Ramos comes on, bags a hat trick. He probably could have scored five goals today, honestly, uh, on some of the chances he had. Um, so congratulations to him in his first game. I think three goals, one assist, if I'm correct. Um, World Cup first time, a uh, second youngest, I think it was. Second youngest player, or was it the youngest player ever score a uh, hat trick at the World Cup? I think it was. 
let me look at my notes here because I did write this down and I can't now I can't remember and that, that's just how bad it is. Okay, youngest he becomes the youngest to score a hat trick uh, in a World Cup knockout match after Pele. So pretty cool company to be around. Uh, one of the things I had said on my observations pre um, game. Some of you may have seen uh, what I wrote. Uh, point one was, could be a big Juan Felix game today for the world to know who he is. Listen, Juan Felix was incredible today. He was actually my man of the match. Didn't have the goals, but he had the assists. Um, just the way he was running that team uh, in the middle there, incredible, incredible. He's had a great World Cup, and he's just showing why he's so talented. I'll say this again. He's a top four or five talent for me in the world. No question about it. You put him on an attacking team, not an anti-football team like Simeon plays at um, Atletico. I think you really see what Felix does. His card values aren't um, – people are holding a lot of his stuff. I think people are being smart. Uh because I don't see a lot of his stuff selling. I, I, I actually bought a, a prize footballer's PSA 10 for 25 bucks last week, including shipping. Um, I, I thought for 25 bucks is a good deal. It's a PSA 10 prize footballer, nice insert. Um, not numbered, but whatever. It's a cool insert. Uh, so there are those things out there. You guys can find them if you look for them. You just got to take a look at, at things. But, you know, he he's just incredible. And I think it was Nigel De Young, uh, for those that don't know him, famous Dutch player, said that John Felix like, looked like Kaka out there today, the way he played. Just incredible. Uh, and if you know football and watch football correctly, uh, you, you'll understand what he was saying and referring to that in terms of his movement and what he was doing to um, Portugal uh, in, in terms of attracting the other team's players to surround him. You saw that on that first goal, Gonzalo Ramos scores. He takes that throw in, penetrates, kind of gotten two or three defenders on him or two or three uh, players from Switzerland on him, and he dumps the ball to Ramos. Then Ramos rips it, obviously, in the top left corner there with an incredible shot. So uh, point two I made before the game was Ramos could be decisive. I guess I wasn't wrong there. He was decisive in that game. Uh, point three, I talked about if it goes to penalties, you'll have a fresh Ronaldo that you can bring on at some point. Again, yeah, Ronaldo came on, I think, at 68 or 65. I can't remember. Or was it may have been later. Um, trying to remember. But um, it's a good option to have. Uh, you know, you had Ronaldo and Rafael Leon coming off your bench. I'm not sure there's a, te- a deeper team left in the World Cup um, now. After these, after uh, Portugal, uh, I just don't think so. I really don't. Um, when you can have a Ronaldo and a Rafael Leon come off your bench, it's crazy. And to think that Nuno Mendes um, got hurt, uh, but you have Rafael Guerrero playing there now, so he scored today too. Really excited for Portugal, obviously. Um, I think, you know, uh, tremendous uh, what they're doing. This is probably the best team Ronaldo's ever played on that he's had. Um, 2016 was really good too. Uh, they just didn't have the depth that this team has, I don't think. And I think this team is really focused. And again, all credit to Santos uh, for to Coach Fernando Santos for uh, telling Ronaldo, "You're gonna go, you're gonna go to the bench, and we're gonna start the youngster." 
We're going to start the youngster, um, Gonzalo Ramos, the Benfica player who's been linked with United. And I'm sure he's probably going to be linked with a lot of people coming up now. Um, so, you know, um, you know, watch out for that kid, uh, which leads me to my prediction on this game. So this game, I think, can go one of two ways. Morocco's been very strong defensively. They're smart. They're tactically sound. This game could be a game that goes to penalties. I really think that. I hope not. I'm hoping Portugal just pulls off the win, one nothing or 2-1. Uh, Portugal's not going to do what they did to Switzerland. No, no way. Even though I think Switzerland's ranked 15th or 13th and Morocco's ranked like 22nd, I don't think Portugal's going to do that to Switzerland, to uh, Morocco. I really don't. I think it's going to be a harder game than most people think. Um, but I could be wrong. Uh, again, I, I'm glad I was wrong because I thought Switzerland was going to give them more of a challenge, and they didn't. So um, I'm just going to continue to say that and, and hope that the, the luck keeps going uh, for Portugal here. So should be a good game um, in terms of – Competitively, it's be interesting to see how Morocco matches up and what they do, uh, given that Portugal plays very different than Spain. Spain, I think, with their their passing and the slowing up of the game and the tempo, I think that suits Morocco. So I think Portugal can play a multitude of styles. Um, and I think, uh, you know, Joan Felix will tear that team apart, I think, through the middle. He's just been doing it to everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. He hurts you. Um, I guess now I can understand why uh, Pep Guardiola wanted him. Um, and that city almost paid the 120 million for him. Um, but they opted, uh, to go another way. And I think, I think Felix wants to, you know, there's rumors Aston Villa wants him now. Uh, he, he's got to go to a bigger club. He doesn't belong at Aston Villa. Um, so I'm not, no offense to Aston Villa fans, but, um, Felix is a, is a bigger club uh, player. Um, where he goes, I'm not sure is Liverpool. It could be, could be United. United has been the rumor too for him. Um, Ramos, uh, Ramos, Felix, Gopko have all been rumored to go to United. So we'll see what happens there. All right, crazy stuff going on with the Ramos cards. His cards have been blowing up on eBay today. After this game, it's been crazy. I'm trying to look at um, – I actually had some pickups this past week. Uh, two of them, I bought two more Rafael Leon red tickets. Um, one of them shipped. The other one still hasn't shipped. I bought that last Thursday. I actually asked the seller, I go, yo, did you ship this yet? And today he said, no, I haven't. I started a new job, so I'm going to take his word for it. But um leads me to believe that I'll probably never see that card. Um, he's probably holding it uh, holding it for more money, ultimately with goals, right? Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. But, all right, so, listen, you know, you got Gonzalo Ramos' base card selling for $12, $10. You had atomic refractor, sell for is this six hundred raw? That can't be it. I have to look at this. Yeah, it looks like a raw one sold for twelve for for six hundred. Wow, that's today. Uh, gold atomic refractor. Uh, you had a refractor sell for sixty. Is baser selling for fifteen dollars? I mean, this is aqua prism forty bucks. Aqua Speckle, 140, 175 for a uh, Speckle Refractor. His, his stuff is going nuts. Um, so I decided that I was going to post my Gold Atomic Refractor, even though it's a card that I said I'd never sell. Um, here's another really interesting one. A PSA 8 Green Mojo, which is number 299, sold for $250. Um, 
So his stuff is selling. His base is like wild, uh, pretty high. Refractor selling for $70. See what one performance does. It, it just incredible what happens. Um, I see Ujabi in Portuguese had a uh, card sell. He had a refractor sell for 25 um, you had a two, of 299 sell for 169 So, So I'll tell you a story. So I posted my Atomic Refractor. Um, thought I'd never sell the card, and it still hasn't sold, so, which I'm okay with. Um, there's another there's another gold Atomic Refractor raw that sold for 755 Maybe I underpriced mine or overpriced. I set a price of 1500 for my card. I said, screw it. I'm going to joke around. I'll put it up for 1500 I actually had offers come in at 1100 I declined them, obviously. Um, but um, for 1100 I declined them. If somebody came close to 1500 I may have to take it. Um, I do have another one raw that I acquired recently as well. So um, selling the SGC 10 probably wouldn't be a big deal. Here's an interesting sale. We had one on December 4th, two days ago. Gold Atomic Refractor, 39 of 50 sell for $160. Whomever bought that card right now just quadrupled their money overnight. Um, crazy, crazy, crazy. But he was one of the guys that I told people to, to to buy back in August, I think, was when I did that preview when I talked about some players that you should buy. And, and this is what I mean when I, when I talk about patience and long-term uh, expectations on players. Uh, this is exactly what I'm talking about. You've bought a card, and I talked about him way back in January um, many times. You bought a card. You can then flip it today because he had a huge performance. Now, for me, I still think he's got more upside. Uh, can it sell for more? Maybe. Uh, maybe not. It'll probably drop in price if he doesn't score in the next game, right? Unless he scores again. If he doesn't, if he has the same performance again against Morocco, his stuff's going to go nuts. Um but he is a uh, he is a, a top level player. He's fantastic. Um, is he Cristiano Ronaldo? No, he's not Cristiano Ronaldo. Is he ever going to be Cristiano Ronaldo? I would venture to say I don't think so. Um, different players, different styles. Um, Gonzalo Ramos is an exceptionally talented footballer player who can also play on the wings. He can also drop back and play the ten role. So he's kind of a player that's really talented in terms of what he can play up front where he'll play you know when darwin nunez was at benfica he was uh, more of a center forward and at times he even played the wing for benfica so um you know the lesson learned here is patience is a virtue right if you hold stuff long enough you can make some money and in my case you can have a little fun and post stuff at obscene price to see if anybody actually buys it um so this is something that you should think about with the stuff that you're buying and the players that I've talked about in the past that maybe you're buying some of the players that I've talked about is you have to hold them long term. Uh, when you're buying players, think about the impact that the player that the, the player might have or the card might have eventually. You know, one of the guys I've always talked about is Fabio Vieira, right? I have some of his stuff. Again, he's not on this team. People are like, why didn't he make the team? Listen, he's 21. They have a lot of players on this team that fit those positions. He'll be at the next World Cup or the next Euro. I guarantee it. And that's when you you got to be smart and you got to sit on those cards and wait. And this is why I always value the Chronicle set a lot too. And this is why you should value some of the Merlin stuff because you have players that don't have multiple rookies and multiple products. Gonzalo Ramos, prime example, he's got one rookie, Merlin Chrome. Granted, there are a bunch of parallels, 
but it's kind of he's only one set. Rafael Leon, he's another one. I talked about him earlier. I bought two of his rookie red tickets again this week or last week. He's got one rookie card. That's it. And he's got that pitch um, pitch Kings uh, insert in that set too as well. But that's all he has, nothing else. So be smart in what you're doing. Um, no knock on Pedri or Jude Bellingham, but they have rookies in a multitude of products and their rookie cards have flooded kind of the market. So um, I, I, Jude's pricing is warranted um, at this point. But think about that for a second and just try to realize why it's important to hold stuff long-term, being patient and trying to do things at a uh, budgeted kind of uh, low, low, like I always say, low risk, high ceiling. This is an example of Gonzalo Ramos. Back in January, I told people to buy him. I talked about him on a podcast when I started doing the podcast. And what's he done now? If you were smart and bought him then, then good for you. I'm happy for you. If you sold, I'm happy that you did that. I mean, I'm not happy that you did that, but I'm happy that you may have made some money and, and done very well with it. Um, so, you know, take those things into account and try to realize why that's important uh, to go forward when you're looking at players and when you're talking about uh, talking about buying certain players. Consol Ramos is a prime example. I saw tons of Instagram comments today after the game. I have to look through my boxes. I have to look through my boxes. Listen. If you have to look through boxes for Gonzalo Ramos, you're not watching soccer the way it should be watched. Uh, If you're watching YouTube for highlights, I'm going to say this again. Do not watch YouTube for highlights. They only show the good things. They never show the bad things. Uh, It's important for you guys to kind of understand that perspective of why you need to watch the actual games. It's important. The eye test is important. Um, some of you probably didn't know who Gonzalo Ramos was until I spoke about him or until other people spoke about him, but I'm glad you're learning about him. Um, just be vigilant in what you're in what you're um, buying. Uh, be patient with players. You know, a player that people are probably going to be growing restless with is like a Jeremy Pino or Nico Williams. Like, what the hell? You know, his stuff's not moving. Of course it's not moving. He, he didn't play for Spain at all in this tournament. Um, so... You know, be patient with players like that. They're talented. They just need time. So uh, take that into consideration uh, before you do anything uh, and try to learn the act of being patient and make smart decisions uh, versus buying what everybody else is buying. If everybody else is buying a card and you start buying the same card, it's too late already. Those cards are already going to be too expensive. Um, So you've missed kind of the boat uh, on those players like a Benjamin Sesco, right? What's he done? Why is his pricing so high? Because the market demands it. And because people think he's actually going to be a, a spectacular prospect. Who would you rather have right now? Would you rather have a Sesco card or would you rather have a Gonzalo Ramos cards? You know, maybe I'll run a poll on that. You know, just something to think about. Um, so, again, be patient. Uh, be selective in what you buy. Watch the games. You learn so much when you watch the games and understand what's going on. Um and arguably, I, I tell people all the time, I think the World Cup World Cup football is actually some of the worst football you can watch um, in terms of the style. So, uh, and some people hate me for that when I say that. Because we'll always say like, well, what do you mean by that? I mean, these guys don't normally play together. Uh, some teams, luckily, uh, like a Spain, they have a lot of players that play at Barcelona, right? They had eight players, I think, from Barcelona play on the Spanish national team. Or they look more like a unit. Um, but again, that didn't help them. So just want to make sure you guys understand why it's important to be patient. Um, 
with these players. Don't rush. I know the market's down. It's still up from what it was like four years ago, three years ago. It's still up. Um, just be patient. Uh, if you're a true collector, and I'm noticing that, I see a lot of the kind of the regular breakers and not so much people and whatnot, but like I've seen a lot of regular breakers um, not go, I don't want to call it go out of business, but they, they've stopped doing breaks or they've stopped doing, um, you know, participating in the hobby. Uh, and that could be for a few things, right? They, they may be changing their, their, uh, what they do for a job or they may, they may not have free time anymore. Or maybe they have to focus on family, whatever the case may be. There are a lot of people exiting the hobby where there are opportunities where you can buy things at lower prices. So look for those things too, as well. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, would love to get you guys feedback on this episode a little bit different. I didn't really focus too much on hobby, but I really kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the world cup and discuss, um, you know, Gonzalo Ramos sales, which are nuts right now, uh, and why being patient is important and why this is important and why, uh, and why holding players for long-term is important. Anyways, I actually forgot to mention um, one thing about the United States. I'm really looking forward to 2026. I think they're going to be a very good squad. I think Portugal's in the same situation there. Uh, I mean, obviously, Portugal's a better team, but Portugal's going to have a really good squad then, too. Um, we got a lot of young talent coming through, which is fantastic, but... Yeah, different episode. Um, hopefully you guys liked it. I'm glad to be back on. I wanted to, again, I wanted to wait until the quarterfinals were set up uh, for this exciting time that's coming up now. Um, and obviously, hopefully all of you guys are rooting for Portugal. Uh, we need, we need more. We need. We welcome everybody to become fanboys of Portugal or fan fangirls of Portugal. So, um, quick reminder, guys. Uh, there are still two breaks live. Uh, one of them's an MLS break. That's still going to happen. I'm hoping to do that before the Prism World Cup break. Prism World Cup break. If you mention it to me in the DM on Instagram, I'm going to give you $15 off the break. Um, just make sure you shoot that in the message when you send me a message. Get in on it. It's a three-box break, 135 So if you mention it, you'll get 15 bucks off here. That includes shipping um, to wherever you are, um, except uh, – Trying to do my costs here. If it's going to go to Europe or something like that, or Asia, we can work something out to, to make sure that uh, I can be fair. Um, but yeah, shoot me a DM. We, we need to fill those breaks. Uh, we have three people so far on the prison break. There'll be 16 spots, basically. You'll get two teams. The first 16 teams are broken down as a tier one team. And I believe it's like all the big teams all the way through Mexico. And then after that, We'll have 16 teams that are like the lower tier. So everyone's going to get one good team. And then everyone will get like a lower tier team afterwards. So shoot me a DM if you want to participate. I really would love to fill that ASAP so we can break that. So um, hopefully schedule that to break. If we get more people in in the next few days, hopefully we can schedule that for next week, Wednesday or Tuesday or Thursday, one of those days. But um, again, guys, follow me on IG at Special One Cards. I appreciate all the support you guys get. Give me, I appreciate your feedback and your DMs. DM me questions if you have them. Also, if you need to grade cards, I am still taking submissions for you. I don't charge any, uh, like, I don't, 
I don't upcharge fees. So if you want to do something, if you need to send in cards, send them to me. I'll send them to PSA for you at that $15 price level. I am, I am a member, so I can help you with that. Again, guys, I appreciate all of you. Uh, send me any questions that you might have through Instagram, at Special One Cards, signing off, and let's go Portugal.